Hello and welcome to the first episode in our series about the Minor Prophets. We're starting our series in the book of Jonah. Of all the books of the Minor Prophets, Jonah is perhaps the one that people are most familiar with, or at least they think they're familiar with the storyline. Many people will have heard about Jonah and the giant fish, but there is a lot more to the book of Jonah than this. We're going to look at some historical background to the book, the type of writing it is, the details of the plot, the major themes of the book, and how we might apply these to our own lives today. Jonah prophesied during the reign of King Jeroboam II, who ruled between 782 and 753 BC. Jonah is unusual amongst the Old Testament prophets, in that his primary audience was a pagan nation, not the people of Israel or Judah. People have debated about whether the story of Jonah is actually a historical tale or whether it might be a kind of parable or allegory. Some would argue that the episode involving the giant fish is too far-fetched to be historical. Others have argued that it is entirely possible for this to have happened, even without any miraculous intervention. However, the book of Jonah certainly bears all the features of a historical prophetic account, and Jesus refers to the account of Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, treating the story as a genuine historical account of real events. The book of Jonah is full of fascinating literary features. It contains humour, satire and irony. The basic plot is quite simple to follow, but there are several complex interwoven themes that are developed in the course of four short chapters. The book starts with God giving Jonah a prophetic assignment. God tells Jonah to get up and go to Nineveh, a very large, important city in the heart of the nation of Assyria. He is to go there in order to tell the inhabitants that God is greatly displeased by their evil behaviour and that he intends to judge them for this. The people of Nineveh were really wicked. They would sometimes cut off the noses and ears of their prisoners of war to mark them out for life. They worshipped at pagan temples and sacrificed their children. They certainly did not worship God. Jonah's task was no easy one. Nineveh was over 500 miles from Jonah's homeland, and the Assyrians were the enemies of Israel. Jonah finds the proposal from God abhorrent. He finds it unbelievable that God would offer the chance of repentance to this evil nation. So instead of heading to Nineveh, Jonah runs as fast as he can in the opposite direction, ending up in the seaside town of Joppa. He plans to get on a ship and sail to Tarshish in a naive attempt to escape from God. God called him to get up, but Jonah does exactly the opposite and goes down to Joppa. Jonah hands over his cash and secures a place on board a ship heading for Tarshish. However, God has other plans and sends a great storm that batters the ship so hard that the sailors are afraid they will all die. They desperately throw cargo overboard as Jonah sleeps below deck, seemingly oblivious to their plight. Each sailor calls out to his own pagan god for help. Finally, in desperation, the captain goes down to Jonah to ask him to call out to his god for help. The other sailors cast lots to try and establish who on board has brought this trouble upon them, and the lot falls on Jonah. Realising that he's been discovered, Jonah confesses all and tells the men that he's trying to run away from God, the Lord God of heaven. The sailors are absolutely terrified, 
and ask Jonah what they should do. Jonah asks them to throw him overboard because he now realises his foolishness and he sees the hand of God in the storm. The sailors, however, are reluctant to do this, perhaps having compassion on Jonah or perhaps fearing what God might do to them if they take his life in this way. They try as hard as they can to avoid having to throw him overboard. Finally, when the storm has reached its peak, they cry out to God for forgiveness before throwing him into the sea. The sea becomes immediately calm, and these hardened pagan sailors worship God in fear and trembling. Meanwhile, Jonah is sinking further down, deep into the sea, where he is swallowed by a giant fish, sent by God for this very purpose. Chapter 2 contains a poetic prayer that Jonah prays from inside the giant fish. Jonah thanks God for saving his life, although interestingly he does not spare any thought for the safety of the sailors. Little does he know that God has extended compassion and grace to them, rescuing them from their futile idolatry. God arranges for the fish to vomit Jonah up onto dry land, and he is unceremoniously spat out onto the beach. In chapter 3, God repeats the same prophetic call to Jonah, and he commands him to get up and go to Nineveh. This time, Jonah obeys. The city of Nineveh was huge, and Jonah walks a full day into the city before preaching his short message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Much to Jonah's disgust and horror, the inhabitants of Nineveh, from the smallest to the greatest, respond to the message from God. They believe in God, fasting and repenting of their evil deeds. Even the king dresses himself in sackcloth and sits in ashes. A citywide decree is issued that everyone should repent and humble themselves and ask God for forgiveness. Even the animals are included. God sees this incredible response of repentance and shows his compassion and steadfast love to the people of Nineveh, turning away from his plans to destroy them. All of this makes Jonah incredibly angry. He finds it absolutely unacceptable that God would forgive the people of this pagan nation. He cannot comprehend that God's mercy and love would extend to nations beyond Israel. In fact, he's so outraged that he declares to God that he would rather die than see this city forgiven. God simply asks him, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah goes out of the city, still outraged, and waits to see what will happen. He still hopes that Nineveh might be destroyed after all. God provides a plant that grows quickly over Jonah's head, giving him much-needed shelter from the heat of the sun. Jonah thinks this is wonderful, but by dawn the next day, the plant withers away, attacked by a divinely appointed worm. When the sun beats down harshly and the east wind blows on Jonah, he gets very angry again and declares that he would rather be dead than put up with the injustice of the plant having been taken from him. The book closes with God pointing out to Jonah that he has no right to complain about the destruction of the plant because he did not make it or care for it or even deserve it. In contrast, God has every right to care deeply about the 120,000 people living in Nineveh and all the animals whom he created and cares for. The overriding theme in the book of Jonah is the compassion of God and his steadfast love for all people. God goes to incredible lengths to get his message out to the nations, including those who do not know him. Jonah's disregard for the people of Nineveh 
stands in stark contrast to God's compassion on the pagan sailors, the people of Nineveh and Jonah himself. Throughout the book, Jonah demonstrates a distinct tendency towards self-centeredness and hypocrisy. This was intended to be a lesson to the original readers of the book. God never wanted his chosen people, Israel, to become self-centred, self-serving and inward-looking. Israel was indeed chosen by God, but not because of any worth of their own, but only because of grace. They were chosen to be God's instrument, through which salvation would come to all the nations. Throughout the book, we also see God's sovereign purposes being carried out. God chooses Jonah, a very fallible human being, to take his message where it needs to go. When Jonah does not obey God, and even when he runs away from God, God does not give up on him or reject him. He patiently teaches Jonah and continues to use him, despite his faults, in order to accomplish his purposes. This perhaps can give us hope too. God can and will use us to accomplish his purposes, even when we make mistakes. We may have some learning to do first, and God is patient and compassionate. We would do well to pay attention to Jonah's experience and learn that it is better to obey the first time that God asks you to do something, even when it seems like a very challenging thing to do. We can also learn from the dramatic response of the people of Nineveh to God's message. Jonah did not preach a long, eloquent, all-singing, all-dancing message when he reached Nineveh. His message was very simple, but it produced huge results. We should remember that the word of God is living and active and very powerful. God promises that his words will not return to him empty, but will accomplish everything he has intended them to do. That's found in Isaiah 55 verse 11. This should give us confidence that we can declare God's message simply, not needing to soften, embellish or alter it in any way to make it more palatable to those who need to hear it. We also learn from Jonah that God always responds to genuine repentance. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. There is a symbolic foreshadowing of Jesus in the life of Jonah. Jesus is the greater Jonah, who also descended to the depths of the earth in the grave for three days, only to rise again in order to bring salvation to all people, both Jews and Gentiles. Jesus himself draws attention to this point in Matthew chapter 12. The people of Nineveh foreshadow the great number of Gentiles who will repent and be saved when they hear God's message. We might need to ask ourselves whether there is any person or people whom we've foolishly considered to be beyond the reach of God. Is there any way in which we are being like Jonah, gladly accepting God's compassion and grace, but wanting to keep it for ourselves? Have we placed limits on what we think God can do? Or have we become too comfortable in our own secure position, forgetting God's heart of compassion for those who are lost without him? Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers www.partakers.co.uk where every day there is something added to help you in your life as a Christian disciple. Thank you.